Hello and welcome. You're listening to Twin U, a podcast where twins educate you on the world's most pressing issues. Horseshoes, crabs, seaweed, the Titanic. Yeah. (laughs) So we started this podcast not too long ago because we desperately miss each other. um, And COVID-19 has ripped us apart for the first time in our lives. This is my twin sister, Ashley. She just got the second uh, COVID vaccine. Yes, yes. And it packs quite the punch. It does. does it? This is my twin sister, Jackie, and she just had a Hoya plant catastrophe. Okay. So, um, Jackie, Jackie, no. mm-hmm. would you mind just one more time for me breathing heavily into the microphone? Oh, all right. Like, what Jesus. are you doing? Are you wrestling with something? I... My phone's on the damn charger, and I had to put it back on the charger because for some it reason it sounds like it didn't you work. placed your phone in an Easter basket, <laughs> and you've pulled Ooh. something aside, and you've you just breathed into the Easter basket a few times. You are the absolute worst today. <laughs> okay, so tell me about your day. I know you're dying to tell me about your Hoya catastrophe. <laughs> <laughs> I am, <laughs> I am befuddled. I am befuddled. I come into my room. I've got my glass of wine. I'm ready to record. Everything's fine. I'd look over because I'm misting my plants while I wait. And um, because you always take a thousand years. So I've got my whister. Everything's fine. And I looked up to check out my new leaves on my paradise palm, which (laughs) now we have three. (laughs) So that's pretty great. And then I looked up and saw an entire vine of my crimson princess Hoya had withered away to this brown hanging crispy nothing a nightmare (laughs) a nightmare a true nightmare i people talk about nightmares and they're like oh it was you know like this is a true nightmare because i raised that hoya from just the teeniest sprig and it takes a very slow growing plant so so the fact that it had the audacity to die on me even though i've been fertilizing it sounds really ungrateful I'm actually not mad at the Hoya. It's probably just too close to the window. Are you kidding? <laughs> An entire... No, they're very it's surprising picky. to me. I it's moved it. to me that you could, like, it could escape your notice that a whole vine withered. Well, here's the deal. It's, it's high up. It's kind of in an inaccessible corner because you don't have to sure. water it a lot. And, uh, you know, I usually, I water it once a month because that's what it needs. So I thought... <laughs> The rest of the leaves look fine. They're a little dry. Like, they're a little crispy, but not like the kind of dry. They're just like, hey, I need water. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I gave it a bunch of water, and there's just this one completely withered, crispy brown black. (laughs) Like, I lost, like, 15 leaves. I'm real miffed. Sure. So I'm drinking extra wine tonight for the, to grieve the loss of my, like, crimson princess so is it, is it just, like, part of the plant that's dead, or is the whole thing dead? Yeah, it has, like, I want to say, like, eight really long, healthy Why lines of leaves. Out? Don't invalidate my struggles. I just don't, like, I guess my confusion is there's, like, seven left. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I don't know why that happened. So what if it gets the rest? Well, just put it away from the window. Put it, like, you know, put it on a nice pillow or something. they're immune to human charms (laughs) maybe you can like fix it a snack i don't know 
<laughs> I did fix it a snack, although I just watered it with non-fertilized water. Maybe it's getting too much. I don't know. Alas, this is this is exactly why I'm huffing and puffing and scuttling around my room in complete distraughtness. <laughs> yeah, really bend that into oh. an adverb. <laughs> I'm trying. Uh. Listen, I'm too distraughtness to to think of it. <laughs> yeah, so I've had that plant for a year and a half and it's been in prime condition that being said some plants lose their some of their leaves when it's cold outside it does happen but not usually like that right right we got to be careful about that so how are you well taylor and i as you know have been renovating the house and we got an Mm -hmm. offer in it and then this butthole says after he places the offer during the inspection he didn't realize that the house was like I don't know his exact words I guess were I'm having a hard time finding a house that isn't used (laughs) I'm like bro you went to a house that was built in 1870 and expected for it to not look used (laughs) what a deal though so he's a nerd he backed out and we had two other offers on the table because everyone loved it, went to so many showings. Um, so the other offer, one of the other offers accepted and they're under contract now and they come for their inspection on Friday. I just talked to the realtor actually a few minutes ago, um, the realtor, and she said that nothing mm-hmm. big came up on the inspection, so it shouldn't come up again. <clears throat> so it was just okay. that he just wanted to kind of uh-huh. like get out of it because I guess he's looking for a new house after all. He doesn't want an older house. Ah, but he realized, and he was just trying to blame it on someone besides his own realization. Yeah, he didn't even tell his listing agent that that was going on. He just went to the lawyer and, like, ghosted his agent, basically. Yeah. But other stuff that's happening, um, I don't know if I told you this, but SUNYAC has just voted, and it is very official. We are playing conference games this year. Yeah. So I told the girls, they can't take that away from you. That's official. It took a long time to get that vote, so now you know. You're playing conference games. Yay, it's that's huge. great. It's huge. The play, like the team really needed it. Um, you know how it is to be in college. It's already hard enough um, to find yourself and stuff like that. And a lot of these student yeah, athletes, they put so much of their identity into being an athlete as well. And to lose that. Mm-hmm. Um, Your sympathy for their plights absolutely astounds me. <laughs> Yeah, it's like um, during the pandemic when we first shut down, um, you know, everyone was sad. And someone puts like a tweet out and Taylor like always made fun of me with it. I was like, yeah, people are dying everywhere. But think of the seniors. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's got to be in perspective. Uh, Another, you know, I'm happy to get that back to them. We're having a good time in practice and it's been really positive. Oh, good. So your team is coming together. Good job. Well, that's very nice. Taylor. How are I'm you? I'm doing all right. I'm pretty tired. I've had a long day. Yeah. I got up before 11, 11 today. So you know how that is. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm chilling. I'm chilling. She's <laughs> having some wine. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. What kind? Classic Tay. Yep. Yep. It's a Pinot Noir from the Oregon Valley. Or the Boiling oh, nice. Valley. Sounds it's good. good. It's Taylor's favorite region of wine. Yep. Oh, well, that's so cute to me for some reason. Yes, it would be nice to go anywhere that wasn't Vermont. <laughs> a state that's not 50 miles wide. 
It is 90 miles at its widest point, and that is basically touching New Hampshire. And it is 130 miles long. So what about its narrowest um, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm trapped on a, a cheese in. <laughs> yeah. It's a beautiful place to live, and I'm grateful. I, you know, I'm not trapped in somewhere I hate to live, but I am uh, starting to boil alive like a frog in a pot. It's sad that people boil lobsters alive. It's so sad. Then you hear about things like people like falling into manhole covers into like steaming oh. hot water and then boiling alive, and you're like, that is horrible. But think about the fact that you're saying this is absolutely horrible, and you do it for like. No. dinner <laughs> they're like it's it's not screaming it's the air escaping its shell oh yeah, no it's not real. is that how lobsters they got scream? it got it i i am a believer that they just actually scream oh my god life is an abysmal pit please tell me something well, interesting. Jackie, i've got something good for you this week do you oh 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 so everybody knows because i talked for a thousand years last week now Ashley's going to talk for a thousand and one years. <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk for more like 999 years. I hope this is enough time, enough content for the amount of time I need to take up. But this is a relatively mysterious topic. Interesting. Is it creepy? I wouldn't say it's creepy. I'd say it's historical. And um, okay. what am I thinking? What's the word? Anthropological. But it's very okay. it's cool. You've my so interest. what I want to talk about today is called the Antikythera Mechanism. So it's called the so Antikythera what? Mechanism. It's Greek. Antikythera Mechanism. Right. So it's okay. I'm it's with you spelled A N T I K Y T H E R A. Antikythera Mechanism. Wow. So many consonants. Well, you know it's Greek. <laughs> you know it's funny when um my best friend Ange and I besides you and taylor whatever i have a lot of close friends but y'all are the closest um anyway we went to greece um also we were married so that's why we went (laughs) um um, and all of the names for everything was was just exclusively consonants and like one vowel at the beginning yeah and the way that english words are written and the way and a greek word looks it's like it completely different like the town we were staying in started with a c it was it was like cornus or something and it was um actually in greek it was ergleon with an h i know i was like and we got lost at one point i was like i cannot see this and then we realized because one of the signs i happened to catch in parentheses below it was the english name and we were like what <laughs> that's um i guess that brings back the adage it's all greek to me like because it's so different i mean it's such a different language yeah Crazy that there are other alphabets our uh, american-centered minds won't let us believe that <laughs> oh yeah it's just like no that's right. not there so so i'm going to talk to you today about the antikythera mechanism so okay <laughs> So um, it's a really, so I'm not going to talk about the actual mechanism until we kind of cover how it was discovered, because I believe that the discovery is sort of part of the reason that this whole mechanism has some interest. Okay. So it was discovered by um, 
it was discovered by a group of Greek sponge divers. And um, I guess they were just bopping around, diving for sponges off the coast of Greece um, <laughs> near the Antikythera like, Islands. What? What, what a, a job. job. They just, they were diving for sponges. And this was in 1900. So these guys are zipping around, diving for sponges with God knows what kind of <laughs> diving gear on their bodies. Just a just, breath Just hold. holding their breath, diving under the water. And they discover this shipwreck. And this was in 1900. So they discover the shipwreck and you're like, holy cow, there is this giant, I mean, it looked very ancient. And at that point, the archeo- archaeologists took over and they go down uh, from 1900 to 1902. They remove all of these artifacts and this was roughly like 45 meters down so that's like a pretty good distance it's like 130 135 feet uh under the water and wow so they're discovering all of these artifacts and they were able to date them to roughly 70 to 60 bc so wait 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 70 to 60 bc that's before right right so we're talking like also after like old school greek 60 to 70 bc Okay. Like ancient Greek? Yeah, like ancient Greek. Exactly. All right. They they said that like 60 to 70 BC, that's how like the specific mechanism I'm talking about, that's how they carbon dated it. But some of the um, other artifacts they found were like maybe even 100 BC, 150 BC. So some of them were even older than that. But, you know, that makes sense, right? So if if the ship sunk in 60 to 70 BC, you might expect to see some older artifacts on there too. That's like, uh, my brain is, is just like a swimming with that. The idea when like you're saying mechanism and I'm like, I don't know, I'm picturing like some national treasure. It kind of is some national treasure. That's actually one of the coolest parts about this discovery. When they discovered this, they were like, this shouldn't exist in this time frame. Nothing in this time frame suggests that an artifact that's carbon dated to be this old should have this level of complexity. So they discover this and they're like, what, what is this? It's been under the sea for 2000 years and they, they had earthed so many other artifacts. They were like, okay, we'll kind of deal with this later. Clearly it's some kind of like geared system, but they couldn't tell exactly what was going on. Um, So, you know, it kind of sat vacant for a long time until x-ray technology in the 1970s and nineties. Whoa. Such a long time. I mean, you're talking this sat for like 70 years. Well, it's nothing compared to the 2,000 years Yeah, right? So, so you're thinking like 2,000 years underwater and then 70 years above water after it sunk. And they finally are able to mm-hmm. use this x-ray technology to take some pictures of what's inside. And oh, oh it's a box. So I'm describing that now. <laughs> so picture oh. it about six inches wide, 13.1 okay. centimeters. And it's enclosed <laughs> in this kind of like wooden box. Like picture... A mantle clock. Oh, okay. okay. So instead of minutes, though, it was discovered that its hands traced celestial time. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, I knew that would pique your interest. So in, you know, these really rudimentary x-ray images, they discovered that this device was able to replicate the way they said it was the motions of the heavens. And if you could hold it in your hand, it could track the sun, moon, and all of the visible planets at the time in Greece. So Whoa. how would someone build well, such a that's thing? Well, that's the crazy, mysterious thing. Um, in this time frame, like, okay, 1970s, 90s, they, they, they were able to get some okay pictures, but, you know, it's rudimentary x-ray. So it's very, very new technology. So um, they weren't the best pictures. And so people, 
someone had dubbed it the ancient Greek computer and then they ignored it. <laughs> so they gave it this title what? and they ignored it because the x-rays were so hard to read. And then um, in 2006, this guy, Mike Edmonds, uh, he was in Cardiff University in Wales. He publishes this set of CT fragment scans, you know, of the, um, of the mechanism. And it revealed that it was much more complex than they originally thought. So Whoa. they originally postulated there was like a couple of gears. Okay, this is cool. This is probably when you crank it up, it's able to track um, celestial movements. You know, there wasn't like it was exciting, you know, but it was like not quite what it reached in the in 2006 when they discovered more about it. So not only was right. the CT scans able to discover a much more complex set of gears, which I'll get into in, more in a minute, but they also discovered some hidden inscriptions. Ooh, <laughs> in, in Greek? Mm -hmm. In Greek. Okay. So, you know, I'm sure your little brain's buzzing. About <laughs> it is. It's, I am, I'm titillated. <laughs> titillated. So mm -hmm. after getting kind of deeper into how many gears and things that it had, they found out that it was incredibly complex and it was able to predict decades into the future. Like you could wind it up what? and it could predict decades. What? Like, so it, it was the best way to describe it. Is wait, 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 wait. Not like word decades, like celestial movements decades. Yes. Like okay. it could chart out where the five visible planets were going to be, where the sun, the moon, it tracks solar and lunar eclipses. Um, there's even what? an archaeologist that believes it tracked some of the Olympic athletic competition festivals. What? Like they put it on the clock and it just was able to track it. There was, so there was, okay, just so you know, there was, it was composed of 37 gears. Oh. <gasps> 37 so gears. And the best way to describe it, it was a Greek hand-powered orrery. And for those of us who don't know, an orrery is a mechanical model of a solar system that predicts relative, you know, positions and motions of the planets and moons. Um, and it, oh, like when you make it Kind of like that, but way, way, way more complex. And this was heliocentric. So that sure. kind of speaks to the time frame in which it was built, because obviously things were considered mm -hmm. to be geocentric at one point, but heliocentric at another point. So um, it's the oldest known example- Absolutely. Ashley. astronomical positions what? Ashley. <laughs> not everybody knows what heliocentric means sorry so heliocentric means um our solar system has the sun at the center compared to geocentric where um you know it was thought that the earth was the center of the universe the center of our solar system true enough so this is a, a heliocentric um hand-powered orrery that was able to predict decades into the future, different astronomical positions. And the, the theme to keep coming back to that I think is really cool is that it shouldn't mm -hmm. have existed at this time. Right. It's, what? Didn't they not think about heliocentric solar systems until way after that? Yeah. See, I thought it was like Galileo, which was Galileo kind of was after though, right? 14th century. So right. here's the coolest, oh my so God. here's the coolest thing about this. It shouldn't have existed right. at all. And the, uh -huh type of information displayed on this um, Antikythera mechanism really is a better example of what you'd see during the 14th century. Oh my god. Ashley, Taylor, is this time travel? <laughs> I don't know. But there's like so many other cool things to think about. So it shouldn't have existed. That That is so interesting. And actually, if you look back in the history 
Um, so this was like, like I said, like 60, 70 BC. And there wasn't even similar technology that was discovered that was earlier than the fifth century compared to this carbon dated um, Antikythera mechanism. So the next, the very next similar thing, not even close to being as complex, was during the Byzantine Empire, which was like 500 years after this. Oh my God. Wait, so, so, okay. D can they carbon date the ship when it sunk? Cause like, I guess it's possible that an old ass ship lasted a really long time. And then somebody tried to like, I think somebody from the 14th century tried to like use it. Well, they're talking right? about the actual mechanism was carbon dated, not the ship. <gasps> oh, oh my God. <laughs> Taylor goes, maybe Jesus made it. It could have been Jesus. It's weird to think that there were people living before, quote unquote, Jesus. Yeah. Isn't that weird? For so long. That is weird. Kind of mentioned that the CT scans came up and they gave a, you know, they shined a pretty bright light on how complex the actual mechanism was. It, it would actually, I think it would blow your mind how many dials and hands and, you know, different circle trajectories were etched into this thing wait can can i look it up do we have yeah, time up. Oh. oh wow it came up right away it was like these these letters only belong to one oh, thing wow. I, I don't know i, I kind of want to describe this a little more because i just find it so yes. fascinating that something like this could, yes tell me all the possibly details exist um, oh 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 okay so they didn't like take it up they couldn't you can't like take it apart. the ct scan um showed all of it Oh, hold on. I'm going to look at the the images on the So the, they, the they made like reconstructed <gasps> ones. Oh my god. That's wild. So I'm going to go what? into the description what? now for people who are listening. So anybody can Google the Antikythera mechanism. Look it but up. I need you to all close your eyes and picture what I'm talking about. So all right, come I'm on this journey with me. Picture <laughs> all right. two plates on the outside. And inside, there's a two-dial system on the back with a pin that follows a spiral groove. So spiraling toward the outside or spiraling toward the inside. There is one hand for the sun, the moon, and the five visible planets, including Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. The inscription that they found explained which stars rose and set on particular days and the timing of the solar and lunar eclipses. So you could crank this up and it would accurately predict through all of these gears and dials and hands, where all of these things would be, you know, proportionally in their units that they use to measure it, like, you know, hands on a clock and minutes, uh, where they would be mm -hmm. decades in advance. Yes, Taylor. But you said it was hand cranked, right? Hand cranked. Okay, so if it wasn't automatic, like... You can wind it up. It's got a spring inside. Oh, a spring, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you would hand crank, meaning it would, you could wind it up, put oh. tension on a spring, and the tension you know, as long as the clock, the clock, as long as the mechanism was calibrated, it was over time. Well, well how would it stay wound for right. 10 years? Like, clocks do that. Like, no, but once it's like all unwound, like it would stop and then it would be all off. Right? You'd have to rewind it. Okay. So there's like someone who's like the winder and they're like, <laughs> oh shit, I gotta like, but like that's human error. So maybe it's not right. Well, <laughs> I mean, looking at it, when you are deciphering, like when the archaeologists are like specifically deciphering it, they're saying it was so finely tuned and accurate that when you wind it up, 
it it predicts these things like with stunning accuracy for the time period. Have they tried to re like to use the models they've made? Yeah, of they it? said you can put it in your hand and it still tracks. What? Oh wow! Wait, 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 wait. Where was Atlantis? Was that in Greece? <laughs> um, Atlantis was yeah. I mean, kind of. I think it's the islands outside of uh, what is it? What is it? These are the sea Cyprus, something like that. Oh, that's where I was. Cyprus. <laughs> oh, you know what? The most puzzling thing to me about all of this is that there's no other technology that's similar to the, like, that actually mimics this level of complexity until the 14th century, which makes absolutely no sense. Because one of the most, like, in my mind, when I picture, like, artifacts, one of the cultures that is most, like, closely scoured for artifacts is, like, the Greek and Roman culture. So yeah. like how are, if, if it exists, how are, are more of those not found, A? And B, how, excuse me, how do we not find this before the Byzantine Empire? Because like the Byzantine Empire, they're talking about, it's not complex. It's just similar. It's just saying like, here's the, the same kind of, kind of, you know, uh, the same kind of technology, but definitely not enough. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a conundrum. Well, I just think it's really cool that, like, this kind of thing could... Like, first of all, anything discovered in a shipwreck is fucking cool. Yeah. It's like... So, to recap. Sponge divers in the 1900s. On a breath hole, diving 130 feet down in the ocean. The Mediterranean? Yeah. See? Um, they find a really old boat. Like, 60 to 70 B.C., and in the boat, they find the Antikythera mechanism. Yep. Okay, so they have the thing. They put it away for like a thousand <laughs> years. 1970 comes. And then they look at it. They take some x-rays of it. And they're like, cool, there's some stuff inside. And they yeah. put it down. And then in 2006, some dude comes up to it from England. Welsh. Wales. Wales. And um, then they scan it again. It's got like a bunch of complex gears and all kinds of bric-a-brac yep. inside. The big takeaway being it could predict like a crazy amount of stuff in the future in terms of like celestial events. Exactly. Okay, so who Greek made scientists? But which ones? How do we know? What did the Greeks say? <laughs> you said there was like Greek words. Description. It. it was created by Greek scientists during the Hellenistic period. Okay, so that's seventy <gasps> to sixty BC ish. Oh oh my god, so it's the exact same time as the boat. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So then how, but if they didn't know, but you're saying, hmm. so what I'm also hearing is that heliocentric model did not exist until the 14th century. You might be confused about the, like when people actually believed in the heliocentric system. And that's mm. important to know because, you know, we're talking about this piece of history completely out of context in the typical thought process that you would have in history like this shouldn't exist during this time period but there mm -hmm. is some if I can just use the word <laughs> retrograde <laughs> because so this is like 70 60 BC um, this mechanism mm -hmm. you know references heliocentrism and then somehow during this Hellenistic period the science that predicted a heliocentric model was lost you know, during the Middle Ages, before the 14th century, geocentrism was way more widely accepted than heliocentrism. Mm -hmm. 
largely in part because lar- like scientific elements supporting heliocentrism were lost. And this is one of them. So like bringing that full circle is extremely cool to me. So it's like this scientific achievement. How is it lost though? Like how is it not reflected in other Greek teachings or writings or anything like that? Like how is it not reflected there? There can't just be one thing yeah right i i totally i totally agree with you but historically speaking the idea of heliocentrism has brought up like was brought up like as as early as the third century which is still after this okay yes yes but you got to remember in history you're only getting bits and pieces of everything so it's possible that this existed and many more people knew about it but it wasn't just discovered you know in the right way where we could really like decipher the artifacts that said you know it attracted so little attention because it's not like it's not like social media existed. You couldn't widespread this information unless it was shipped places. Well, yeah, but I have a hard time believing that the only place where we're finding the information is in a very sing like a singular complex. No, item. I definitely agree. I'm just saying, like, they didn't have letters. <laughs> no, they had letters or something or clay tablets or. No, they, they did. Rock. They did. But like you're talking about the collapse of one civilization and then the ability of the people who are left or next to de- like decipher the information. So the mm-hmm. fact that, you know, a lot of the scientific work was lost in the Hellenistic period sort of like it, it gives credence to the fact that people might not have understood. What else has been That's lost? Such a great point. But like looking at this now, you're kind of like. Okay. The timeline that we know is just so messed up. Like it's not a real timeline. We've talked about this before with ancient civilizations, but there is no way that we have an accurate representation of what our historical timeline looks like. Like this, this specific piece of equipment that has been called the world's first computer was, was developed before we even recognized in our, like, you know, our modern society that, Heliocentrism was widely popular. Imagine the other things that were lost. So what else did they find on this ship? So I don't know a lot of the other artifacts that they found, but I do want to kind of go into a little bit more about the inscriptions. Oh, yes. I'd love to hear about so that. So the inscriptions were mostly like directions about how this worked and like, oh, <gasps> wow, that's so cool. Isn't that so interesting? Right. Because they wouldn't have like, I guess they'd have papyrus paper, but that was the Egyptians. <laughs> yes, but the Greeks and the Egyptians briefly overlapped. You know that. Yeah, yeah. So they could have paper, but like, it's not like they were writing a manual. They had to put it somewhere that was going right. to last. Wow. Okay. So Continue. it was inscribed um, on this mm-hmm. mechanism and mostly mm-hmm. explained like which stars rose on which days, um, when the lunar and solar eclipses were going to be. And, you know, it also kind of explained some of the missing pieces that they couldn't find. So obviously after a shipwreck and then 2000 years underwater and then another hundred mm-hmm. years, whatever, it lost a lot of pieces. So it explained via epicycles, um, which it just, that just means like small circles, like superimposed on a larger orbit. So like, you know, picture our solar system, the biggest orbit and then the littlest orbit all the way in. And they all kind of influence each other via gravity. Mm-hmm. So they described, um, you know, every other piece that you can't see in this mechanism through epicycles on their inscriptions. So that already makes you kind of feel like this is way more advanced than, you know, 
That's so much text. It's a lot of text. It's a lot of text. Oh, oh. Yeah. So this was like widely dismissed as being way beyond the Greeks' abilities at the time. And, you know, just by mainstream historians. And that always comes back to me, like mentally, I'm like mainstream historians, what's up? Like you, you can't even acknowledge that people probably crossed the Bering Strait earlier. You know what I mean? And you're, yeah, they're just some like stuck in the mud old white guys yeah. who are like pursing their mustaches. <laughs> A lot of pursing going on. So, you know, they said it was wildly beyond the Greeks' abilities at the time. But that kind of begs the question, how did they make it if it was beyond their abilities? How does it, yeah, yeah how is how? it carbon dated they did. before, you know, during that time? Like you can't, you can't lie about the half-life of a carbon atom. No, what, I mean, what's it made of? I mean, it metal. Yeah, metal, wood, stone. But what kind of metal? Brass? Bra- bronze? Bronze. bronze Gold? Age. Bronze. Okay. Which is interesting. Bronze is very f- soft. Well, no, bronze. Yeah, bronze is sort of soft. Not as soft as copper, though, right? No, no, no. Copper is really soft and aluminum is softer than that. But um, I guess bronze isn't that soft. So they would have to, like, how did they? So I know this kind of leaves more questions than answers um, because you got to think like, like one of the things they're saying is they really don't know the purpose of it at this point. It's hard to know what the purpose is exactly. Some people say it was, you know, literally just a celestial computer and it told you where things were going to be when different eclipses, whatever. Some people, you know, some archaeologists postulate that it was just for schools and we're supposed to benefit people like, you know, just to teach them where things would be. Some people say it was used to tell fortunes or predict good and bad omens. Um, oh, that's the best one. So <laughs> yeah, that's that's my favorite one, too. Um, but there's still more answer, or more questions than answers. And they think that the more they decipher the artifacts that were particularly found on this boat, um, the more mm-hmm. they'll kind of have better context for what this is this is for. Um, but I just thought that was a really cool like archaeological problem you know it it shouldn't this is like a it's a sequence problem you know according to the timeline that everybody thinks is the real timeline right but like so again yeah like you said like you like you were saying the timeline doesn't work out in terms of what we understand and know right but it's like that almost feels, and this is kind of a conspiracy theory, but that almost feels like, um, oops, I bopped my plant. It's waving <laughs> at you. Um, it feels like a willful ignorance. Like there has to be, I just, I like, again, it, it seems impossible to me that that is the only evidence of that knowledge to exist, have existed, have been located, founded in the numerous paintings and artwork and texts and carvings and all this like stuff you know what i think i think nazis found it and took it and hid it and destroyed half of it so there's only this teeny little crumb left and then i think rich people purchased it and it now lived like lives in some rich person's basement i actually think that the thing about the nazis could be true because they like hitler was an avid treasure hunter was art and, art treasure. and treasure but didn't he like like have an obsession with like the Crusades and the Holy Grail mm-hmm. and the Knights he did, Templar. Yeah. Yep. He was very interested in all that. Plus he had an art degree. A That's fine right. art degree. That's right. And he, he wasn't good, but he did have one. And so he was very interested in preserving certain things that he found valuable, which of course included artwork, but also major historical pieces. For example, a lot of excuse me, Greek statues were either intentionally sunk in transport by the Nazis 
or um, stolen. Well, it is possible that that part of history is erased um, by the Nazis, but one would assume that some of it would squeak through before the 1940s. Right, like that ship that sunk 2,000 years ago, so the Nazis didn't have a chance Yeah, that. I know, but like, I wonder, like, one thing to be cool, that would be cool to kind of get more information on would be what mm-hmm. other things were going on in terms of, like, plundering during the, you know, first century or whatever. Like, yeah. For example, we have, like, an eighth of the Egyptian artifacts that were discovered, whatever, because they were, you know, grave robbed essentially, and stolen and reappropriated and, you know, whatever. It was also stolen by archaeologists. They straight up stole stuff. But there's so much more that we don't know about that. Like, there is just so much lost to history that we'll just never understand or know or have any information on. Yeah, it's sad. Like, this is a great example of that. This is a real-ass thing. <laughs> it is a real-ass thing. The sponge everything was funny. Greek sponge divers. I bet they were big. I saw the picture of the one guy. He was not. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to my little piece of archaeology, though. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm I'm super into this. I love when you talk about history. Also, it's very weird and creepy, like so much other history. It's like all these gaps that we all assume via voyeurism or just like observing people's habits or even our own habits, that we have an understanding about what's going on and what has (laughs) happened and that we can fill in the gaps. But honestly, when we get to the point where we have a gap to fill, we have nothing to fill with. Yeah, there's like nothing. There's no, you couldn't even pull from the context around you. You, There's... There just isn't a way to cover some of those those expanses. Yeah, especially when it's the only thing found proving this information alongside itself. Alone. Yeah, that this information existed before we thought it existed. Wow. wow. So much is probably under the water. Gotta be. Gotta be. Thank you for listening to episode 10 of Twin You. We'll see you next week.